Um, We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Let's pray together and then we will uh, get started. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for this time of song. Um, God, we, we long to experience you, to, to encounter you uh, in new ways. God, bless this time together. Bless this time in your word. God, we pray that you will speak to us, that we will have ears to hear, and that we will have the courage to obey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first few days of January can be a bit startling, um, especially when it sneaks up on you, right? For all of 2018, you think 2019 is so, so far away. And then January hits, and you realize it is here. And it can be a bit jarring. Uh, it was for me, because 2019 was this year that was so far away. Um, all year, it was, it was this, we'll get to January, we'll get to January, we'll get to January, and then it's January. And I'm not ready for January. <laughs> but the change of year gives us this opportunity to, to reflect on where we've been as well as look at where we're going. Um, in some ways, January can be startling, but in other ways, it can be exciting because uh, many people look at 2018 and say, good riddance, I'm glad we're gone, I'm done with that, let's get on to something different and new. It was a year that you don't really want to relive, a, re- a year that you don't want to go back to. And so, so you say that year is closed and there is this sense of excitement, this sense of anticipation, this sense of hopefulness in going into a new year. January is a month of new beginnings. The name January itself is, is associated with concepts of, of beginnings, with the idea of, of doorways and openings and, and gateways, transitions. The name January comes from the Roman god Janus. And this, this god Janus is usually depicted as having two faces. There's a face that is looking backwards at what has been, and a face that looks forward at what is to come. It's, it's looking to the past, it's looking to the future, and this is what our month January is named after, as we look to the past, as we look to the future. And so we gather together today on this first Sunday of 2019, and, and maybe one of our resolutions, one of our goals was to attend church more regularly, and today is the first day. Good job, you're on track for your goal. And so it's good to be together on this first Sunday of 2019. I want to start by reading Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now this is Paul that is speaking. Remember over the last several months we have been going through the book of Acts and we've seen the story and the journey of Paul. And here he is talking about how very Jewish he is. He did everything right from the time he was born. And here he is setting himself up as someone who was faultless 
in the eyes of the law. Everything was done correctly. How many of us wish that we could say that everything since birth was done correctly? But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Remember, doing everything right since birth, that righteousness that comes from doing it all correctly. He says that is rubbish. But that which is through faith in Christ, not through his actions, not through what he did or did not do, but through his faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know everything about Christ. I don't want to just know facts about Christ, but I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to experience the power of resurrection because I want to participate in the resurrection. I want to participate in the suffering of Christ. I don't, know, I just, I don't want to just know some book knowledge about Jesus, but I want to experience everything that Jesus experienced. I want to know him so well that what he experiences, I experience. Continuing on in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, I haven't gotten there yet. There's this thing that I'm working to. I, I, I want to know Christ so intimately and Paul, the apostle is not there yet. There's still more to know in his relationship with Jesus. He has not arrived yet. And if the Apostle Paul has not arrived yet, you certainly have not arrived yet. I have not arrived yet. That there is a deeper understanding, a deeper experience, a deeper knowledge, a deeper relationship with Christ that we can all strive towards. Continuing on. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward that what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so I put away all that in the past, all of that striving, all of that doing it on my own, all of that self-righteousness. 
all of that religious action, all of the trying to do it on my own, I put that all in the past and I look forward striving to the goal of being with Jesus. And so this is what Paul gives to us, this looking back, this looking forward, giving up what is in the back, giving up what is in the past, giving up what was all about me and sacrificing that and, and, and selling that and giving that up. It's a bit of this uh, commerce kind of metaphor here, that basically he sold everything and bought into Jesus. He sold everything about his past life. He's gotten rid of it. He, he did a clearance sale. He had a garage sale. He, he got rid of all of the junk from the past and walked away from that for what is in the future. He is totally bought into Jesus now. And all the baggage and all the clutter and all of that junk from the past is now gone. So we think about, especially at this time of year, this looking backward, this looking forward. We, we look to the past, and that's not always a bad thing, because God says a lot to the Israelites about looking in the past, to remembering the past. The, the Israelites were continually asked to look back at the miraculous things that God has done. Look at the mighty acts of God. Look at what he has done for them. Their deliverance from, from slavery in Egypt is one. This was one of their most important celebrations, this, this Passover celebration, to, to remember what God had done in the past. Looking at the past is not bad. Looking back and remembering has its place. And so the Bible gives us these constant reminders not to forget all that God has done. We re need to remember what God has done. When Israel crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, Joshua asked the representatives from the 12 tribes to collect up stones. We did a Joshua series a couple years ago, and we had our communion table out here, and we, we stacked up these 12 stones to remember what God has done. He says in Joshua 4.20, Joshua set up to Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He set all these up. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them what it means. Tell them that Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. They crossed a river on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what, they had done, what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Remember that the Lord is powerful. How many of us need to be reminded of that? in the middle of whatever we're going through at this point where we're exhausted and we're tired or, or maybe we're, we're wildly successful and things are going great or things are going horrible, how many of us need to remember that God is powerful? He's not docile. He's not in the background. He's not distant. We remember the hand of God is powerful. Look back and remember. Each Sunday we gather around the table to remember 
a time to remember that Jesus was crucified and raised. It is important to look back and remember. But there's also this sense of looking back that can be problematic, that we get stuck in the past. It can even be dangerous. It can be destructive. Remember, Lot's wife looked back, and there's a pillar of salt out there somewhere. That we look back in an unhealthy way. We, we dwell on failures. We dwell on mistakes. And that past leads us to, to bitterness, to, to resentment, to hurt. It's not good for our spiritual or mental health. And so Paul didn't spend time dwelling on his past. He acknowledged his past. He, he remembered his past. But he did not dwell on his past. He, he was a persecutor of the church. He stood by while Stephen was stoned to death. And so could he wallow in self-pity for all the horrible things he had done? Could he sit in regret on all that he had inflicted on the Lord's church? But he didn't stay there. He used his skills and his position and his education not to do harm for the church any longer, but to advance the kingdom. And he says all those things in the past, that's just rubbish, that's just trash compared to knowing Christ. And so as we look backward at 2018, what do we remember? Maybe there are some things that are trash that we need to move on from. There are things that were not good, things that hurt, things that disappointed, regrets in what we did mistakes that we made but we look forward not backward the face of janice looks backward and also looks forward and so the face looking forward looks in anticipation of what's coming up and so yes we can look forward to what is coming up in the new year. We can look forward to, to things being differently. We can, we can rest in knowing that God is in control. We're looking ahead wondering what's next. What will this year bring? What will I be able to achieve? How will my family be affected by the various forces of the economy or politics or culture? We look forward and say, how can I improve my health or improve my wealth? But hopefully we're all asking the question, where is God leading me in this coming year? What is God's desire for my year? Not what, is my, what's my, not, not what my stock portfolio is going to do, not what my job is going to be doing, but what is God leading me into? And this question of what can I do to better utilize my gifts for the kingdom of God? And we look forward into this year and ask those questions. Once again, Paul helps us here. He talks about straining toward what is ahead. Straining, that's effort. There's effort being made in what is ahead. Not just this passive waiting to see what happens, but this effort straining toward what is ahead. I press on to the goal, is what Paul says. And Paul is looking to something much bigger than what is on his calendar for this year. He's not just doing a business strategic plan. He's not looking to make sure he has enough vacation days scheduled. He's not looking at just the next 12 months. He is looking something far beyond that. 
He isn't thinking about the turn of a calendar. He's thinking of the turn of his life when he encounters Christ on that Damascus road. His life turns in such a significant way. Before Christ, his life was rubbish. And after Christ is life. And so he chooses to forget what lies behind for the future that he holds, the future, for what the future holds. And he uses this athletic image of a foot race, where the attention of the runner is, is looking ahead, looking at the finish line, straining, putting effort into, working toward the goal. And so Paul strains toward that goal, looking forward to what is ahead pressing on toward the goal. But before Paul can really look forward, he has to deal with what is in the, back, in the past. He has to deal with what is backward. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. There's this conjunction here, this and. He looks, he forgets what is backwards. He forgets what is in the past and he's straining toward the future. There's this sense that the two are linked, that you have to do both, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward the future. There's this sense that forgetting and straining forward are not separate things, but they're one action, that the faith that it takes to look to the future and strain toward the goal is the same faith that it takes to actually forget what's behind. That to forget what's behind, we have to have full perspective of what's ahead. The two link together. There is a Quaker theologian called Elton Trueblood who calls this a holy conjunction, this and. He emphasizes this important subject, and, and that we see in Christ, we, we see several examples through Scripture. We see Christ's humanity and divinity. It's and. We see roots and fruits of the inner life of devotion and the outer life of service. It's not just an inner spiritual life. It's and an outer life of service. It's even seen in the great commandment that says, love God and love others. This one command is two commands. And so we see this holy conjunction of ands over and over, these two opposites that come together. We see this in our world around us that gets increasingly divisive that there is a place for being politically conservative and being an advocate for social justice, being politically liberal and promote personal responsibility. Can these two tensions come together? And so the point here is that, that forgetting and looking forward can be considered one action. Another way to think about this holy conjunction is this idea of tensions that exist. Tensions of opposites. We're pulled 
to different poles so often. And so when you look backward at at the year behind us and look forward toward the time ahead, it's possible for us to see some opposites in our lives. That often our beliefs and our actions seem to be at odds with one another. Sometimes our strengths appear to be weaknesses. We're pulled to these different extremes. Our political system is pulled to the left or the right, to the liberal or the conservative. And if you're on one side, the other side is vilified. There are other opposites and tensions that we experience all the time. Grief versus joy. Disappointment and thankfulness. Challenges and victories. Failures and success. Lows and highs. You can't have one without the other. You have to have both of these extremes in tension with one another. And Laura and I have been reflecting a lot on the past couple years, um, especially over the last couple weeks. And so for those of you who don't know the story, uh, two and a half years ago, we went in for a sonogram. Laura was, was pregnant, and we went in for the mid-year sonogram to find out what the gender of the baby was, and we discovered that the baby was missing a leg, missing a kidney, and possibly missing a whole lot more. And so here we are at 18 weeks or so of pregnancy, and the bottom just falls out, not knowing what to do. And having these worst-case scenarios presented to us where we didn't even know if this baby would survive. And if the baby actually survived, what would be all of the dozens of things that would require surgery after surgery after surgery to fix on this kid? We were told that we would be delivering early, for sure. That this baby would not go full term. So twice a week we went in to the doctor's office for sonograms and tests, thinking that this week would be the week that the doctor tells us to go to the hospital and deliver this premature baby. Or this is the week that the baby is not coming at all. Week after week after week of that until 38 weeks when the doctor finally says go and have that baby. And we have that baby in full expectation that this baby is going to be shipped off to NICU. And the doctor looks at the baby and hands the baby to Laura and walks out. And here we have this baby, still very small, missing a leg, missing a kidney, but that's it. And so we're in this tension of of joy and relief and still grief and disappointments. This tension that things are good, but things are also still really bad. We're in these tensions, these two extremes. And so in our grief, in our mourning, we did not have a clear next step. We didn't know what to do. It all seemed impossible from from before the time that hope was born, even after. It was like, what do we do now? We couldn't even figure out how to put this kid into a car seat because car seats are made for two legs, not one. We couldn't figure out how to put a diaper on one leg because diapers are made for two legs, not one. But each step, we felt ignorant, we felt ill-equipped, and unable, but we kept 
taking steps forward. And it felt like there was no progress. It felt like everything was impossible. But then you look back and you remember. You look back and you see all that God has done along the way. That in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of grief, grief, there was also great joy and there was great victory. We see where where God had made things possible, even though it seemed impossible. We see the progress. We, We see the people that God has put in our lives in so many different ways to support and to encourage and to teach. We see the cheerleaders that hope has, all in his perfect timing. We find a prosthetist who is within walking distance of this building who takes on our case and calls all the big names around the country to say, what do I do for this baby that no one has ever seen before? And they all tell him, don't do anything. And he does it anyway. Physical therapists that come into our home, friends here, who take on our kids as their own. It takes a whole entourage for us to get anywhere with all of her stuff. And so we look back and we remember and we celebrate. Laura and I wanted to share a, a few videos with you just in the last couple weeks, how much progress there has been because it felt impossible. So Wade, if you want to go ahead and start playing those and I'll just kind of talk over them. It has been challenging. It has been and not always happy. You hear the tears and you hear the frustration because it's hard and it's difficult. And some days it's just easier to sit instead of stand. Some days it's easier to stay in bed then get up and face what you have to face. But you get up, and you take those steps, and you move forward. And here, she's doing this because she thinks she needs to be held up. And she wants to make sure that Laura's there holding her up. And she thinks she's still being held up, and she's not. And she takes these steps. When two years ago, we didn't know if she would ever walk. Would she ever have that opportunity? Would she ever have that chance? And she takes those steps with this prosthetic leg. This prosthetic leg, the expert said, wait, don't do anything for her. And you hear the cheering, and you hear the celebration, and you hear the entourage of people that are there to help her. And this is just a few days ago, getting herself up when it's much easier to stay down and taking those steps. Can you sit back and go get it? Come on and get it. There are some bribes. <laughs> but hey, you, you, you do what you got to do. You did it all by yourself. Yay! <laughs>
and we still battle this tension of opposites, this grief that things are still not going to be the way we thought they would be. As we trek through the snow up at the cabin and wonder, how is a prosthetic leg going to work in that? Things that are still not what we think they will be, but also these victories as well. And it requires being brave. It requires being courageous. It requires straining toward a goal. It's not just simply walking toward the goal. It's not sitting and waiting for the goal to come to you. It's straining toward the goal. And every day, Laura tells Hope, you are brave and you are strong. And every night I pray with her and say, Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. As we look forward to what's ahead. It's not just about accomplishing some goal. Not just any goal. It's ultimately the goal of Jesus. That even if she can't take those steps, like we thought, that wasn't the goal. Even if the prosthetic didn't work, that wasn't the goal. Even if your health continues to fail, even if your marriage continues to fail, even if your jobs continue to be garbage, even if all of those things are not going the way you had some goal for them to go, that's not the goal. The goal is Jesus. We're not focused on where we fall short. We're not focused on our imperfections. We're not focused on our mistakes. We look for the power of God to help us live into and toward Jesus. Paul said we we run toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we recognize these tensions in our life, the good and the bad, the difficult, the victorious, the successes, the failures. We look at all of these tensions, and when we live in these tensions under the grace of God, we find ourselves on a road to a much greater truth, a greater understanding of who God is, a more realized life in the kingdom of God. Paul says, not that I've already obtained these things or already reached this goal. Paul continues to press on, continuing to pursue Jesus. And although it's easy for us to look backward and get stuck there, we turn and look forward knowing that Jesus will be there. The author of Hebrews gives us the same running metaphor. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. We are all running with perseverance this race that has been given to us. And some of us are running with a limp. Some of us are running without a leg. And some of us are running with all kinds of baggage holding us down. But we continue to run the race with perseverance. And so six days into 2019... 
while we have not yet reached our goal of full identification with Jesus. We press on, living with the tensions in our lives, between our dreams and between what is, and we look to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Let's stand together. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Because the race is not run alone. We run together. And some of us need to slow down and pick up the people who are stumbling behind us. Some of us need to pick ourselves up and join in the race, even if we're not going as fast as we hoped we would be going. But we're all running that race together. And so this prayer time is a time for us to encourage one another in that race, to strengthen one another in that race. We'll have shepherds down front. We've got members of our prayer team around. You can pray with a life group leader or a shepherd or come down and pray with me. Let's move around the room and encourage one another in prayer. If you're feeling like you're limping along, seek somebody out for prayer. Be encouraged by that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this race that you've given us. God, we thank you for your grace that even gives us the opportunity to to be here in your presence, to be in relationship with you, to know your son. Help us to know him deeper. That's in his name we pray. Amen.